Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Class is in session, about to learn a lesson in the game. We embrace the pain, take it and we make some change. Without scarcity, I don't know where I'll be. It's how we learn and now it's your turn. Let's get it. Welcome to the University of Adversity. And we're back. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. If you're new here, welcome to the family. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. You are in for a treat if this is your first time. If you're a regular listener, get ready. Get out a pen and paper. Take some notes because this is fire. I promise you this. If you're a man, if you're a woman, if you want to excel in business, if you want to understand what it takes to build confidence to get to the next level, listen to this episode. What I really liked about this episode was our next guest really doesn't take no for an answer. You know, and the thing is, is most people at any resistance they feel, they stop. They, they become, they, they roll up into a ball and they just become a victim. It's a reality. But what I really respect about my next guest, Heather Monahan, is that she understands that if somebody else can do it, so can she. And what you're going to hear about is her level of commitment to the thing that she wants to do. And she specializes in confidence. And if you think about it, confidence is the thing that we need in order to do anything. You know, when I do this podcast, when I got big names like her or Grant Cardone or Dean Graziosi or, you know, best-selling authors or pro athletes. I have to have confidence. Otherwise, I'm going to crumble. And that's what I've learned even from podcasting is how much it improves my confidence. And when you really think about it, that's the thing. The confidence, the belief in yourself is what's going to get you to the next level because really anything is possible if you're willing to put in the work. And what I really like about Heather is that she wasn't given anything on a silver platter. She's worked for it. She started out in different levels. She was in the restaurant and bar industry, which I can relate with. Learned a ton. Moved on to the corporate world. Killed it in sales. You know, like really dominated it. But then realized, you know, she was getting bullied at work. And she was like, you know what? I'm better than this. You know? So she pretty much fired her own boss and went on her own path. And most people, if that would have happened, they would have really gone into victim mentality and really become scared to do anything else. So you can check her out on, on social media, killing it on LinkedIn, killing it on Instagram. And she's a great speaker, but she really knows what she wants and she's going after it. So you guys are going to love this. Listen to this to the end. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe and make sure you leave us a review, share this with a friend that needs it. And as always, enjoy. Sit back, relax. Heather Monahan coming right up. Heather, super excited to have you here on University of Adversity. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. So what you're doing, and you know, I've explored a lot of your work with your, your TED Talks and your podcasts and your book is, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but um, what you're doing with confidence and just the whole thing about allowing people to kind of step into their, their power and be able to get through these things that they're going through, the different levels and challenges, the journey through life. Um, it's kind of the same thing as University of Adversity. It's, it's really highlighting the journey and you know, showing how 
people are able to get through these different struggles to be able to go on to the next level. So super, super excited to dive into this today. Yeah, I love this topic. Yeah, for sure. So I the the thing that I really about this journey and even in the podcast world is you you get to know people at a certain spot, you know, but you don't get to know them beforehand. And what I like to really do is kind of dive in before because I know you've worked in the bars and restaurants before all this, and that's what I did too for many years. As we were talking before, you know, one of your guests, Caitlin Bristow, we worked together for like five years. And it's crazy how many people have been able to work in that environment, how much it taught them kind of later on. So I really kind of want to unpack that. But let's go right back to the beginning. What was it like for you growing up? Well, I was just going to say that my childhood was not idyllic. It was far from idyllic. My mom was a single mother with four kids. She worked three jobs. So I lived outside of Worcester, Massachusetts, which is not a really nice area. Mm. And yeah, my childhood wasn't really great. It was really very, very tough. And um, the one thing I learned early on was just work and outwork everybody because I knew I didn't want to struggle financially the way my mom had struggled. So I started with the paper route when I was nine or 10. And then I started bussing tables at diners, working at fast food restaurants, and then waiting tables. And ultimately, bartending, which led me to realize the people that have the nicest cars are salespeople. And so I decided right away I wanted to get into sales. And I went to work at the Gala Winery and became their top salesperson my first year out of college. Yeah, that industry is interesting because we don't get into it because we really want to. The money's great. And we sort of, it's your personalities. You realize, I mean, for myself, there was nothing else I wanted to do. I loved being around people. And I love that I got paid to give people this experience. It was like, what? I get paid for this? You get to meet you know, who have all these people and you get to make the money and it's amazing. But then you kind of can get stuck in there. And a lot of people do. But once you get out of if you're able to get out of there, there's so many skills that you can learn. And as you know, when you got into the sales and corporate world, you know, what was that like? What was that transition like for you? It was easy because I had really been in sales for a decade. Working in yeah. restaurants and um, bars really taught me how, you know, it's a service industry and how do you service people, connect with people quickly, how do you upsell them? You know, all of those strategies and tactics that I had learned over that last decade, I was able to put to work for me in a more structured environment, in a more business environment um, through the wine business and through the Gala Winery. And really, you know, I'd always worked multiple shifts and multiple jobs. So I would work, you know, all day and then also at night. And when I took that work ethic to corporate America, that wasn't the norm there. Mm. So I was able to advance very, very quickly. Yeah, it's, uh, you definitely get a hot, you learn a hustle that a lot of people don't have. Like You don't even realize, like people don't understand how much of a hustle it is working in that environment. And how much shit you got to deal with and how many people's, you know, you're, you're juggling so much. And I never realized it until I got out of it and how much I actually learned and how much of an advantage you actually have on people because you're dealing with all these personalities, you're, dealing, you're multitasking, you're deal, and, and you're, you're expected to be on all the time, right? Otherwise, you don't make any money. So I, um, I, I always find that interesting whenever I connect with somebody that's been in that industry because it's, it's powerful. So as far as when you're in the corporate world, like how, how was that? Like walk us through that journey because you're, you're obviously, you're great at sales. You're great at relationships. I've heard you speak. You 
very powerful with conviction in your words. You know, how was that journey for you? Like, how was the corporate world for you? And what was your biggest, what was your biggest struggle in that environment? Yeah, it's been volatile. I'm no longer in corporate America. However, last night I was speaking for a major bank, you know, at a speaking engagement. So I still work with corporate America. They're just my clients now. Um, But back for two decades, I was immersed in corporate America. I started at the Gala Winery. I ended up getting sexually harassed a year into the job. And I wasn't confident back then. So I just quit because I didn't want to have to take the company on. I was scared. And so I ended up going to work for a radio company first as a salesperson. And I became the top salesperson there in a year. And the owner of the radio stations offered me an equity partnership. But the hinge on it was that I'd have to move sight unseen somewhere in the Midwest to run the company and live there until we could sell it uh, for a profit. So I moved to Saginaw, Michigan for him. I became his equity partner in my early 20s. And I turned a $25 million property into a $55 million property in under three years and worked seven days a week, didn't take any vacations, you know, really immersed myself in understanding the operations and executions of the radio business. And from there, I went to um, a publicly traded company and I ended up pitching myself for a job that didn't exist. I saw an opportunity for a national company to have a VP of sales role. I was awarded the position and during my tenure there in 14 years time, I was responsible for revenue. And when I joined the company, we were billing hundred million annually. And when I was fired two years ago, we were billing in excess of 200 million annually. So we had more than doubled the, the company's revenue during my tenure. And I had been promoted three times and I was the chief revenue officer when I left. So I'd had a really strong run in corporate America, tremendous success, you know, really around revenue generation, building teams and leading teams and won a lot of awards and been promoted uh, numerous times. But the adversity element, you know, that kind of sticks out to me, one looking back early on my career was being sexually harassed at work was that was really challenging. The other thing that I would point to was being bullied by another woman um, in my last uh, job and last company. And that's actually the woman that ended up firing me. That whole situation um, was really exceptionally challenging. I'm a single mom. I have a lot of bills to pay, a lot of responsibility. And it was really wearing away at me mentally, physically. It, It did a number on me. And then ultimately when I did get fired, I had never anticipated that happening that was really, that was really, really hard to, to deal with. Um, you know, here I am two years later, it's a very different situation, but I didn't know I'd go to work for myself. And I had actually signed, when I took the chief revenue officer position, I was forced to sign a non-compete for the media industry uh, because to operate at that level on the executive team, it was something that everybody in the team had to do to ensure that we wouldn't take, um, you know, our knowledge to go compete against the company but I never thought I'd be fired. So I was fired and I couldn't go to a competitor, which presents a very different challenge. So then I had to look outside of that world that I had expertise, that I had contacts and a massive network in and say, okay, for the next year, I can't work here in this industry. What do I want to do? How can I make money? Because I can't miss a beat. I need to create Mm -hmm. income immediately. And so that was that whole window of time was very, very challenging. Yeah, I love that. I mean, your TED talk too, you get into that and how, you know, your your boss kind of presented you with two options and you're like, I'm taking none, you know, and 
I, uh, I really like that because so many people are faced with that and somebody in their workplace just has that upper hand and it's just so, so many people are so scared because they know that too. They know they have that on you, you know, and they can just bully you and you're not going to do anything. Majority of people aren't. Like it's, yeah, it's, it, it happens every day in, in corporate America. It's definitely, you know, bullying doesn't just happen on the playground with little kids. It yeah. happens very frequently in corporate America. And, it, you know, there's a, a number of companies out there with very toxic cultures where it is par for the course and people just turn a blind eye to it. Yeah. And there's subtle jabs too. Like it, it doesn't even have to be like direct bullying, but there's just things that are almost worse that aren't direct, but you know, they're what they're doing and they know that they have that power. How, okay. So where did you get your confidence from? I know that like you talk about it, you teach it and I want to get into some of the stuff, but over the years, you know, that's how did you learn that stuff? Was it always something you had? Did you have that edge? Like obviously if you're in sales and you, 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 you learn that, but where did you, where did you develop it from? Yeah, no, I did not always have confidence. I wasn't confident. No. I, as I explained, you know, when I was at Gallo and I was sexually harassed, I wasn't confident okay. at all. So if I had been confident, I would have stood up for myself. I wouldn't have quit. And I would have taken that man down that was harassing me, which is I, what I wish I had done, yeah. but I wasn't in um, a good situation back then personally. So, you know, it's really for me happened through adversity and bounce back and seeing, you know, how can I improve? my situation moving forward? How can I not repeat these mistakes? And for me, the epiphany moment was getting fired just mm. two years ago, because that's when I realized I had attributed a lot of personal self-worth to my title, my paycheck, my team, you know, all these external factors that I thought mattered so much when those were removed from my life. I felt like I had nothing and my self-worth felt very low and I felt very confused and lost. And that's when I realized, wait a minute, I've been putting too much value on these external factors that I can have taken away from me. I've got to put the real value intrinsically and look at myself and say, I'm valuable, mm -hmm. not the things that are around me. I can go do something else great. Not I was, I was working somewhere great. So I had things almost reversed just out of habit or not being aware. And I had to do the work and rebuild me from the inside out so that I could proceed with confidence, could proceed with optimism and a vision for my future now that I was facing some of the biggest adversity that I'd faced in my life. What are some of those habits that you had to nail down? Like when you get out of bed, was there certain things that, you know, certain sort of like, uh, like a routine to get yourself into that groove? Like walk us through some of that stuff. Yeah. So the first thing that I did was I posted on social media. I was very vulnerable and I recommend mm -hmm. this for anyone. I posted, I have just been fired. It is really painful, really hard. And if I've ever helped you in any way, I really need to hear from you today. So many people told me to take that post down that it looked pathetic. I shouldn't share it. But I decided in that moment to listen to my inner voice. And this is really critical you could have other people trying to put their self-limiting beliefs on you and they could be doing it out of kindness and out of their own fear. But you have to turn to yourself and say, this is the one voice that matters, mine. And I knew, even though everyone was calling me saying, take the post down, I said, no, something tells me I need to do this. I'm doing it. So I was vulnerable. I asked for help. And then I listened to my voice over everyone. And those are three really important pieces to starting to rebuild your confidence. 
So I made a great decision. That post went viral. And ultimately, Froggy from the Elvis Duran Show tweeted at me, hey, Heather, I, I hear you're hurting. If there's any way I could be of help to you, I'd like to help you. Here's another great lesson I learned. When someone offers to help you, convert that opportunity in the moment. Don't wait. Sometimes we'll say, oh, I don't want to ask him to do anything. He's probably busy. No. If that person just said to you, I'd like to help you, say, okay, great. This is how it could work. So I tweeted right back at him. Thank you for your offer. I'd love to be a guest on the Elvis Duran show. Can you book me? And so I had a very specific ask and I did it in a timely way. I responded immediately. He booked me immediately on the show. And the irony of how this plays out is this is how I end up writing my book. I'm, I go on the Elvis Duran show and halfway through the interview, Elvis says, well, Heather, obviously you're writing a book, but I wasn't, I had thought oh, about it, but yeah. I wasn't really fully, com- I still was wondering, maybe I, maybe I should go into real estate. Maybe I should go work for another industry. I was not clear that I was going mm. to work for myself. I'd just been fired. So he says to me, you're obviously writing a book. I said, yes, I am. And so we start talking about this fictitious book and his confidence and conviction. He was so sure I was writing a book. It transferred to me, his confidence in that topic, that idea. So having someone who's really strong and powerful, believe wholeheartedly in you is a way to develop confidence. It worked for me in regards to the book. He was so sure I should be writing a book. I felt sure that I should be writing the book. I got on the plane. I Googled, how do you write a book? (laughs) I found out that all you have to do is discipline yourself to write X amount of hours a day. I think I did four or five hours a day. And within a week, I knew I was writing about all of the low moments in my life and how I had leveraged those to create confidence and how the reader could too, essentially a blueprint. The next thing that I did while I was writing is I developed a 30-day plan. And I recommend this to anyone who's facing adversity. It's too far out to say, how will my life be in one year or two years? That can be overwhelming and depressing. But if you look at 30 days, okay, that's manageable. I drew out, you know, 30 squares on a piece of paper. Every morning I would write in three things I was grateful for into those squares to shift my mindset to one of gratitude. Every day I would write down on the square what specific action steps I took that day. I didn't, it didn't have to, you know, some days weren't huge. One day was huge. I flew to New York and went on the Elvis Ram show. The next day I wrote for five hours, right? So there was disparity amongst what action I might take and how big of an impact it would have. But the key was I was taking action. I wasn't sitting around feeling bad for myself. I did that the first day I got fired. Mm -hmm. Then I, I shelved the weighted blanket. I pulled out the game plan and I started taking action. And, and that's really important. You need to hold yourself accountable. So I told people in my life, Hey, I'm in this 30 day window. It's crunch time. I am creating the most confident version of myself that I've ever seen. I had a vision of what that was going to look like. I was, I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I, along the way, I would cross off the days and I'd look at all I had accomplished. And even just after that first week, I felt proud of me. I'm like, look at all these action steps I took this week. And what was interesting, I was also seeing, wait a minute, I took action last week. I didn't know what was happening the next week. And there were, there were dominoes falling and hitting the next domino that were creating opportunities in the next week. So suddenly I see an amazing opportunity to speak at an event showed up, an amazing opportunity to this or that. So it made me aware that I had the opportunity to be hopeful that I didn't know what was coming next. I knew it was going to be positive and great. And that's when I realized 
That woman thought she fired me that day, but I had just fired a villain from my life. And now pause, I created space and positive people were showing up in my life to help me. That's amazing. You, yeah, you weren't being a victim. So many people would be, would take the exact opposite of what you did. They're so scared to do anything new, right? Because of the failure, because of the haters, because of so many people don't do things because of other people. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so crazy. And, and no matter what you do in life, it's never going to be, it's never going to be easy if it's worth it. You know, like it's not going to be, and they're always going to have haters. You're always going to have that. But it's like, it's crazy how many people will rather listen to somebody else than go with their own heart, their own gut. Right. And yeah. it, it is challenging to turn off that noise, but that's why I think it's, it's important. Like what you did, just like a simple everyday you know, commit to it. And it's a compound effect, right? These little things compound over time. You don't realize it at the, at the time you're thinking, Oh, what, what, what is this? Is, is this actually helping? And then you look back and you realize, wow, I just like, you know, you're planting the seed and you're watering the garden and it takes time. Right. And I love that because it can be, it can be that simple. If you just, if you pay attention and just do the daily things, I, um, this is one thing that I've been thinking about too. And I've been talking about writing a book and I love that you brought that up because somebody says that and you're like, wow, a book? Really? I'm not a, I'm not an author. And you start to have all these conversations, but you know, you, everyone has that story, that value that if you can pull that out, there's, there's gold in there. Right. And that's part of being confident too, is just knowing that your story matters. Like how often do you talk to people where they think, well, my story doesn't matter. It's shit. Your story is better than mine. Do you hear that a lot? Yeah. yeah, for sure. But here's the thing is that everybody operates on different frequencies. Everyone has different color to their story. That's only going to resonate and connect with certain people. Yeah. My story is not going to resonate and connect with everyone. That's mm-hmm. okay. And yours won't either. But some people are going to connect with your story. So that's the reason why you should do your book, right? That That's the, the reason it should be the catalyst to do it is knowing that not everyone's going to connect with mine. Some are only going to connect with yours. And so it's mm. almost, you know, that's your purpose. That That's your, our job is to share these things to help and empower other people so that they don't have to make the same mistakes that we've made. Yeah. And what's really encouraging about your story is showing that there's hope from, you know, you go to school, you do all the stuff, you do the one job, and then there's hope you could make the transition. You know, there is, you've proven it. That's exciting well, learned, for people. I've learned that if you're talented in one lane, right? So for me, that was corporate America, sales yeah. leadership. I thought that's what all I was meant for. That's all I would be good at. What yeah. I've learned is you can take your unique skills and talents, blow up all the lanes and go to any lane you want. And that's what I do now. I'm not just an author. I'm not just yeah. a podcast host. I'm not just a speaker. I'm Heather Monaghan and I can go yeah. up the frick I want. And it's, it's really liberating because it was confining the way that I yeah. did live for two decades that all I could do is this. When I would hear people talk about doing, you know, some, I don't know, you know, any, let's say acting, or I would say, oh, wow, that's, you know, I was born for this. That's never in the cards for me. And today I think completely differently. I think I could go anywhere. I could try yeah. anything because it's me and I'll show up and I'll bring my unique value and I'll bring my talents and skill sets and yeah. it'll be, it'll be great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We don't have to be boxed into one thing. 
Like you're that right. thing. You're that thing. And you're only that thing. But for the longest time, you know, before we had the opportunities that we have, you know, with online and, you know, before we, we had these, these chances to do stuff, everybody was kind of committed to that one thing. And then that's it. And it's so hard to get out of that box because we do everything that aligns with that thing. And, you know, and, and it's part of the reason everybody's just scared too. So I love that. And let's, let's talk about how, how, okay, first of all, you, you're, you did, you wrote the book. Now you're a speaker. You've done the TED Talk. Walk us through that challenge for people out there because that isn't an easy, that isn't an easy road to go down either. And how, I know you're working towards like nailing a lot of different speaking gigs and you can speak. There's no doubt you, you've nailed it and it's, it's great to watch you. But for the people kind of coming up and trying to figure out and navigate that world, talk, walk us through that journey a little bit. Yeah, I actually did a podcast episode just about this because mm. I get asked every single day, mm. how do you become a speaker? I want to be a speaker. So I did an episode in my podcast with Kendra Hall, who's a really successful speaker, which is a very different background. And I found her story very interesting. So basically, I, I was a rookie, right? I didn't know anything about the speaking business. I had zero expertise or contact. I was starting at ground zero. I just knew that in order to sell books, and I had a product to sell, and I needed to accelerate sales so I could drive revenue and income for myself, uh, one, the, one of the best ways is to speak. So I just, at first, I started calling. I had spoken in America, corporate America, for 20 years, but that was part of my job. I was not a speaker. I was a chief revenue officer who spoke at events and spoke at meetings. So I didn't even understand, nor was I privy to the knowledge that people got paid to speak. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So I was out just trying to sell books. And it's important people know this, just how much we don't really know in the world. And here I was, a very (laughs) successful 43-year-old woman at the time. You'd think I might be aware of that, especially because I was a good speaker. I had no idea. So just open your mind to what you might not know too. It's, it's overwhelming. So I'm out speaking, calling every company that I know, offering to speak for free because I wanted to sell my book. And so I was speaking sometimes twice a day. This is right when I got the book came out. So it's six months after I got fired. And I was speaking everywhere to promote the book. And I call a company and I say, I'd like to come in and speak about creating confidence and collaboration innovation in your workplace are there any dates available in the next month or two? And they said, sure. What's your fee? And I said, what do you mean? And they said, what's your speaker fee? And I said, well, I don't know. What do you, what do you charge? Like, what do we pay? I have no idea. And so that's how I found out. And so then I started Googling speaker fees, speaker agents. And so I immersed myself when I found out, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk makes $200,000 a speech. So I started finding out how much people actually make in speaking. It's massive. So once I learned, hang on, if these people can all be making six figures, I can't, there's no reason why I can't. I'm as good a speaker as they are. So I started immersing myself and hang on, I've got to shelve the book initiative for a minute because this is going to be a much faster revenue generator for me. And it was really important for me to accelerate my revenues. So I went all in and I figured out if I can get an agent, I want an agent because right now it's just me pitching myself and I don't know the right pool of clients because I haven't worked in this space before. And I, I would think to myself, there's someone out there that has a list of all the companies that pay for speakers. I want that list or I want that person to work with me and represent me, right? Because yeah. that's how you start moving your business. Because if you're like me and you're a rookie, you don't know which companies to pitch yourself to because you have no idea which ones spend and which yeah. ones don't. 
So you've got to get in that arena or in that, in that right pond where that those companies are. Um, I couldn't figure it out. So I said, I'm just going to start pitching myself to every speaker bureau there is. So I went to Harry Walker speaker agency first. Mm -hmm. There's a number of premier speaker agencies and you can just Google speaker bureaus online. There's like 20 of them Mm -hmm. and you'll see all the best speakers are usually with at least a few of them. And so I knew if I want to be found, I need to have my face with these, you know, in the proximity with these other speakers. So people see that I'm at this level. So I pitched myself to the Harry Walker speaker agency was the first one that came up. I Google the president. I send him an email and this is sales 101. You have to show why you're valuable, why you're unique, how you're going to drive new revenue, share reviews and recommendations. This is my wheelhouse, you know? So I crafted an email and just actually took a screenshot that my book had Trump Trump for number one in business biography on Amazon. And I wrote an email to him and I said, um, you know, Mr. Walker, whatever it was, uh, I want to introduce myself. I'm a former C-suite executive with 20 plus years experience driving revenues in corporate America. Um, now I've pivoted to the speaking business and my book just trumped Trump for number one on business biography. Not only can I drive new revenue and bring a powerful female voice to your lineup, my background, my unique background in um, corporate America sales and leadership can really add value to sales teams. So, you know, and I went through all the ways wow. that I could add value. And in the end, I, I put, I, I searched your site and do not see any women with a background similar to mine. This will fill a white space for you. And he was, said, yes. So that was it. So I then love it. what I did was I leveraged that. So he put me up on his site yeah. and So now my face was next to, you know, I don't know, President Bush, right? Like you're on the page with these extremely high profile people. So I took that screenshot once I was up there and I emailed APB speakers and I said, so-and-so APB, my name is Heather Monaghan. I've recently joined the Harry Walker Speaker Bureau, as you can see in the screenshot below. And then I gave my whole pitch, but I was showing credibility by showing the Harry Walker, hey, I'm already with your competitor be happy to join you. So they say yes. Then I go to GDA. So I just kept leveraging each opportunity for the next one. So then I was on all the top um, speaker bureaus and I wasn't getting any speaking engagements. So I really personally leaned into LinkedIn, Mm. which is where business gets done. And I started posting really aggressively different clips of me speaking. And that's when I started getting hired a lot. And then like I just mentioned to you, I spoke for a big bank yesterday. My agent at GDA hired me for that. So now that I've been doing it for about a year, yes, I book a lot on my own and I do that through social media, but I also get booked through agents, you know, for all the different bureaus that I work with too. I love how much of a hustler you are. Like that's, it's I, exhausting. Love, I love it though. It's, it's, it's great. It's inspiring though. I mean, to hear that you're not just like, you're taking action. Like you're, you're, you're making it happen. You're making shit happen. It's not like things are just getting given to you. Like you're, and that's important for people because people, people see people on talks or they see you as an author or they see you as a podcast host. They're like, Oh, well, it's easy for them, but they don't know what you've gone through. Right. No, I'll tell you. And it's interesting with the Ted talk specifically. And I want people yeah. to know this. A Ted talk is very different than any other talk. It's not the same because people would say, Oh, you're going to kill it. Cause you speak. No, mm. and I, have never been as nervous in my entire life for a speech as I was for that TEDx talk. The pressure, the environment with all the other speakers around, panicking, it, 
it was just horrible. It was definitely the toughest talk I ever gave. I was so, so, so nervous. And I have, I've never practiced as much for any speech in my life as I did for the TEDx talk. I actually memorized it, essentially. I mean, I knew every single word. And the problem for me was I don't memorize speeches. I don't, I get up and I talk and I speak to an audience and then I feed off of like what's resonating with them and I change my talk based on where I am. What was challenging for me was this idea that you have to hit the 10 minute mark. You have a ticker in front of you. You are not allowed to go over it. You cannot leave the red circle. You have to share your great idea. You have to be relatable, but you only have this finite window and you can't move a lot. And there's all these rules and restrictions versus like last night, I'm giving a 60 minute keynote. I, I've got so much flexibility. I have 60 minutes, right? I can tell as many stories as I want. And if things are hitting in one way, I can expand on them. If they're not, I can pivot and I can literally walk off the stage and walk on the stage. Like I have all the flexibility and freedom in the world to be me. And in that moment in the TEDx, as you're confined in that little red circle, I wasn't really me, a held back version of me. And that was scary. So it really is very, very different. The uh, amount of people that are backstage, it, it, the whole thing is so different. And, and it was really uh, very nerve wracking. You mentioned you have a big cutout of yourself and that you were going to get into it on the next one. Yeah. That's, that's so, awesome, by the way. No, it's annoying because everyone <laughs> asks me. I know. I was being funny. And I, I had to bring it off because I was like, this, is, this will be so interesting for people. So you have a, a life-size uh, cutout of yourself. Yeah, I do. Uh, I'll actually, I'll, I'll pull it over. It's right here. I'll yeah. pull it over so you can see it. Um, <laughs> so that came to be, this idea is brilliant. It works and, sure. and I'm very proud of it. But so one of the challenges I had when I was in corporate America is I was responsible for thousands of employees across the country. I can't personally be in Las Vegas every day if mm. we're, our headquarters are in Florida, right? I can't personally be in my partner's offices in New York every day, but I want them to feel my presence because when I'm there, things get done. When I fly to, to markets and meet with my team and my vendors and my partners, we make stuff happen, right? Because they want to win for me. But what, what I was noticing is when I would leave and fly away, nothing was happening. Things would slow down. Business would slow down. Execution wouldn't happen. And I was getting very frustrated. I was flying so, so much in order to achieve goals. I was exhausted all the time. And I said, this, I, I'm missing something. Like There's got to be a better way. How can I multiply myself? So that somehow they see me every day and feel me and, and mm. want to kill for me. And I thought, well, you know, I, I don't have the answer. <laughs> and I'm trying to think where it was that I saw. Oh, I think it must have been through my son or something like this. Something, something through sports. I saw a fat head. Mm. And I saw a fat head at a sporting event. And I was like, mm, hang on, wait a minute. If I could figure out a way to have one of those of me and then have me everywhere, my people will not be able to forget about me. My people will feel like I'm right there with them. So I said, okay, I contacted one of these vendors for Fatheads, and I said, have you ever done one that's actual life size instead of just a head? And they said they'd customize one for me. So I had it made, and then we had a big meeting coming up in New York that I couldn't attend. I had something else to do. And I sent the life size cutout with a note that said something like, you know, I have your back and I'll always be here with you. I'm so excited for today. Let's do this. Something like, you know, just fun mm -hmm. like that. Everyone loved it. They went crazy. So then what I started thinking was, okay, hang on. I do deals with large clients. So this is an example is I 
was trying to get a show with Podcast One. They're headquartered in LA. And we'd have great meetings when I was in LA, but then I'd fly away and nothing would happen. Crickets. And I hate crickets. So I FedExed out overnight a life-size cutout with a note on it that said, I know you have so much fun hanging out with me in your office, but I'm way more fun in real life. Can I come in tomorrow and sign the contract? And he said, yes. You know, so he sent me an email and said, yeah, come here tomorrow. So then I take the flight and go out. But it's really jolting people to say, like, wow, that's a really different way to approach something or get someone's attention. And I'm, it works 10 out of 10 times. I love it. I, I love it. I mean, people don't do enough to get what they want. It's reality. It's, it's the truth. And I'm even guilty of it myself. And I'm like, if you want something, you got to go after it. And if you get, I mean, you have to take the steps. You got to be uh, ruthless. So I have- I have, well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just how I live my life. Like this is par for the course for me, but you'll yeah. like this one. So my first book I self-published because speed to market was critical to me at the time. I needed a product to sell. I had just been fired. Here we are two years later. I don't need a product. I have, I have my speaking. I have my online course. I have my books. I have, I have a lot of different products and services to sell now. So this time I wrote my second book a few months ago. And I said, you know what? As much as everyone tells me not to, I want to go to a publishing house because I don't have experience with it. I'd, I'd like it if they could lend their expertise to support me. You know, maybe they have a better PR concept. They're going to know different ways to do this that I just am not privy to because I haven't been in the business long. So I Googled Rachel Hollis's literary agent because she was the number one bestseller for personal development books last year. I found her agent's name. I contacted her agent and I pitched myself to her agent. I explained how I was like Rachel, yet how I, I was different and how I filled a white space that would complement Rachel, knowing that this woman obviously knows all the publishing houses in the personal development space because she sold the biggest book of the year. So she says to me, I really like you. However, you lean too heavy on the business side for me. You'd be a better fit for my partner. So I said, okay, great. So she sends me to her partner. This is eight months ago. I meet her partner. We hit it off. We liked each other. She said, Heather, I really like what you're doing. I need a book proposal. I didn't know you had to write a book proposal. So I said, well, I have the book. She said, I don't care. I need a book proposal. Okay. She gives me a guy's name that I have to go hire that will help me write a book proposal, which is completely different than writing a book. It's very hard. This was a nightmare. Mm. So I hired this guy. We build out this thing. It's a sales and marketing strategy. It's a competitive analysis. It's an audience analysis. It's um, sample chapters. It, it, it is a headache. So anyways, I'd never done it before. We get it done. We send it in to her and she says, no, this isn't good enough yet. Go back and work harder. I redo it again. Go back. I redo it again. 15 iterations of the book proposal. The final one went into her Monday. I was almost ready to give up at this point. She's, it's been eight months and I've written 15 different book proposals. Oh so I'm God. thinking at the end, I'm like, okay, hang on. At some point, you have to question, is this a lost leader for me? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm working with the wrong agent. Maybe I shouldn't be writing this book. I start questioning everything because it's eight months and 15 versions, and I put so much time and money into it, and nothing has happened. And I said, all right. I said to myself, if I send this one back to her at number 15, and if 15 is not the charm, I'm going to pivot. My plan B was I had found another agent in LA that wanted to represent me, and I was going to send him the book proposal. So I'm like, all right, this is my last shot with this lady. I didn't tell her that, right? Um, and so I send it to her Monday this week, and I hear back right away, Heather, this is amazing. I would like to run with this now. Do I have you know, your agreement that we can move forward? Yes. 
she sends out 15 different inquiries to the big publishing houses that she felt were the right fit. And yesterday she sends me an email. Holy cow. We heard back from every single one. Every single one of them is interested. And it was one of those moments that I almost gave up because I was so thinking like I'm wasting time here. So I want people who are listening right now to know I don't always know if I'm doing the right thing. I keep swinging. Yeah, sometimes I get really discouraged and I want to give up. But I somehow I pushed myself through and I didn't know if I was wasting my time. It turns out I wasn't, but mm. I came really close to backing out of that one. Wow. I Yeah, I mean, there you got you're resilient. Like there's no doubt. Like it's it's great to hear. I mean, so many people would give up right and and i was actually interested in, in in you kind of brought it up it's like when when do you know when it's just a hurdle or when do you think it's time to pivot you know because a lot of people are kind of caught between the is this the right thing i'm doing or is it just you haven't gone through enough of the shit first and it's like you know what's that you're 3 feet from gold or whatever the saying is or when it's like all right all right everybody i'm pivot this is this isn't working you know how do you how did you figure that out how do you deal with that because some people aren't very good at it. I don't know. I mean, that's what I just shared with you. <laughs> yeah. I really don't know. Yeah. Right. So to me, I'm definitely more the person that's not going to give up. Yeah. I, I, I would probably fault an error to the side of not giving up no matter what. I yeah. see obstacles as future solutions. It's something yeah. that I'm going to learn and grow from and, and I'm going to make that work for me. Right. I don't know what the answer is yet, but I do know this. There always is an answer. There's always someone I can get to that can help me get over that, through that, you know, and beyond that. And I just haven't tapped that right person yet or found that right solution. But I will. I know I will. For sure. But this one, this one situation with this agent, I was really, this doesn't happen often. I was really frustrated and I was sitting there thinking, gosh, should I drop this and go to another person? And I'm so glad I didn't because... I wanted to work with her. I was just feeling discouraged. Yeah. And when you get down like that, you question yourself, you question everything. And then you start saying, was this even a good idea to begin with? And that, that's not a good place to be mentally to start second guessing yourself. Well, no, you got to have confidence, right? I mean, <laughs> it's, and that's, you obviously are living it, right? But some people, you know, preach things, but they don't live it in their own lives. And it's nice when you see somebody that's actually living it because you have to, you have to have that. You have to, to do what you're doing. Same with, let's talk about your podcast. This is, it's a great show. I listen to Chris Voss. I listen to Caitlin Bristow. Um, Chris Voss is going to be coming on the show. I just need to lock him in. He's an amazing dude. Like, he he, is I listened to your guys' wild. conversation. I loved it. Like, just hearing him talk, like his accent and the way he like, and, and I loved how, because coming from, you're a salesperson and he's kind of teaching a, a different way, you know, and Walk us through that a little bit, like your podcast journey. Like, how has that been for you? And has it kind of caught you off guard of what it's done for you? No, I mean, listen, I hit a million downloads before my one year mark, which blew me away. I I did not anticipate it going that well. So I'm super proud of it. I know people love it. I get lots of notes, you know, that everyone loves it. Um, this, the format was not my idea. That was podcast one's idea that I open with my own challenges, what I'm dealing with. And I wrap answering my listeners questions, which is kind of a cool different. I really like that how you open it. Cause you kind of get in, you, you, you share your vulnerable story a bit. It's not, 
right just into the conversation. I did really like that. And I was going to bring that up. So sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no, but I, I like that. That wasn't my idea. This is people mm. who have expertise in, yeah. in this business and understood that they felt that I was a good fit for that. And they were right. And I'm so grateful they gave me that idea. Uh, so I'm really proud of, of the show. I, I get great feedback on it. But the, then when it comes, so there's two things. My whole career is in sales. So now my job is to sell people on coming on my show. Okay, that's, that's not hard, right? So for me, it's just time consuming, right? Because I like to go face-to-face whenever I can to sit down with somebody. Yeah. It worked out great. Chris was actually speaking at a conference 30 minutes from where I live. So that worked out so wonderful that he was um, generous with his time and stayed after he spoke so that he could meet with me. But it doesn't always work out that way, right? Like, when I interviewed Gary Vaynerchuk, I have to fly to New York and I have, you know, so I jumped through a lot of hoops so that I can try to create that personal connection, which face to face to me is always the best. Doesn't always happen, but when you can make it happen, it's really powerful. Uh, and then it's, you know, in and around who are those ideal targets and just, you know, I've been back and forth with Damon John on social media, trying to nail down a date and his schedule is so crazy. So a lot of the times the people you really want to get it just boils down to how can we get in the same city at the same time and, you know, not giving up on it. And then sometimes people, you'll, you'll have said to them, okay, we're going to do it. Yeah, we're going to do it. And let's try to shoot for this day. And then they're not responding. And it's how can I not annoy them yet stay, you know, top of mind with them yet move this forward so that we can get it done. Cause I know there's some interest there. And as you know, that can be a very fine line to walk. Yeah. And it's been a real, it's been a real fun process. It's everyone asked me like, cause I've been able to get some awesome guests, you know, and it's, it's, you're kind of, I've kind of look at it like, you know, I want to, I want to help the guests the mo- most as I can give them, you know, like, how can I help you first of all, you know, add value and then just try and figure out a way to, to leverage other guests. I mean, that's how I had to do it. You know, you know, once you get someone like get Grant Cardone, and then, you know, I can leverage, get Dean Graziosi. And then before you know it, you're like, okay. And then, and then you stack that and just add as much value and just, you know, hope that you don't annoy them. Right. And right. I, I really want to do in person too, because like I, I go off the energy and, and it's just better to be in person, obviously. But like at, at the same time, it's like, well, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta get what you can get from where you're at. And I just yeah. find it to be this podcast journey has been, I talk about all the time, how much it's helped me with my confidence just in general. There's so many little things, little barriers you got to break through that now I look back, you have these high level conversations. You know, I released three a week and it's like some, some weeks I'll interview nine people to stack them up. And it's like, you're constantly vibrating with these people and you're talking about shit that really matters and you're, you're feeding off this energy. And before you know it, you're sharing your story more, they're sharing yours. And it's almost like therapy. Like it, it really is. And especially talking about some of these deep topics. I go super deep with some people, some, you know, we, we talk about different things, but that for myself has been such an amazing tool that I had no idea. I had no idea it was going to happen. Right. And there's been so many impactful moments and so many things, you know, what has that been for like for you? And has there been, I don't want to say what's your favorite guest. I think it's a dumb question. But like, was there like a moment that you've had, like a question that you ask or like a rabbit hole you went down that really was like, oh, oh, that this is, this sticks with me as like a moment, like that really impacted you? Or is it just kind of, you know, that everybody has their, their, their thing and everything's great. Like, I'd love to hear what it's done and, you know, maybe some takeaways. 
Yeah, there's so many. I yeah. mean, it's it's crazy because I mean, you know, we just we do so many episodes, and I have so many amazing guests that it's really hard. There was one really great um, situation. Uh, Jesse Itzler is married to Sarah Blakely, the founder of Sphinx, oh, and yeah. this this was a really cool situation. I have a friend in common with Jesse Itzler, and. In fact, he and I were both contributing authors to the same book, but we didn't work together on it or whatever. I, I didn't know him. I called my friend. I said, hey, I'd really like to interview Jesse Itzler. Is there any chance you could intro me? He says, he doesn't do interviews. You know, I'll give you his business manager and talk to him. Connects me to the business manager. I was able to offer some value to help him with a challenge he was having. So he says, you know what? I'm going to get you an interview with him because you helped me out. You know, I just want to help you out. Great. Thank you. So I say, I'm dealing with Jesse's assistant. And I said, yeah, I'm going to fly to Atlanta. It's like an hour flight from where I live. Any day he wants, anytime I'll make it work. Now he doesn't want you here in person. He'll only do Zoom. Okay, if he's only going to do Zoom, I'll do Zoom. So it comes time to do the Jesse Itzler interview. And all of a sudden, Zoom pops up. I see Jesse's face and then it goes dark. Same thing, pops up, goes dark. Oh, no. So I get a text from the assistant. She's like, we're having major... Um, uh, wireless internet issues and I don't know what to do. Jesse's mortified. Uh, and I'm like, I'm getting on a plane right now and I'm flying to Atlanta. And so two minutes later, my phone rings. I don't know the number. So I pick up, it's Jesse Itzler. And he's like, I am so embarrassed. I can't believe we don't have freaking Wi-Fi that works. Like this is ridiculous. I don't know what to do. I feel like a jerk that you had this time. I said, calm down. I'm flying to Atlanta. He's like, are you serious? I said, yeah, I'm serious. He's like, come on up. So I flew to Atlanta and we ended up, I spent like half the day with him and his assistant. They were so cool, such great people. We had the best time. I got to know him really well. So anyways, he's like, I'd love it if you would work with, he has a community and um, an online course called Build Your Life Resume, which is really interesting. He's like, I'd love you to work with us on that and like be a featured speaker. So we, we really hit it off. We decided we'd work together again. And wouldn't you know, like a month later, I get a note from our mutual friend, Heather, they need someone to interview Jesse Itzler and Sarah Blakely, his wife, who I hadn't met yet, um, live on stage at this huge conference. Do you mind if I throw your name in because he feels comfortable with you? Oh, I'm wow. like, oh, this is, yes. <laughs> so they throw my name in. They call Sarah Blakely and Jesse Itzler to say, we'd like to see if you will both approve. Jesse says to Sarah, she's been to our house. She's super cool. Yeah, let's do it. So Sarah says, okay. So I get brought in to interview the two of them. So I get to meet her. Like it ended wow. up being, but it all stemmed from that he had no wireless internet and that I was like, not going to take that as, okay, oh. I guess we're not doing the show. I'm coming to Atlanta. And it ended up, it created a friendship for us and then allowed me to interview him and his wife on stage at another event, which like led to me getting to know Vayner speakers. And it just, it was such a great domino effect that that whole situation allowed for that I could have never foresaw. Yeah. And you're, you're not taking no, like, <laughs> I love that. I'm getting in yeah, a plane. No. I'm not, I'm not, that's not happening. I mean, it's, it's only an hour. It's nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. I, um, it's inspiring. I love your energy. I'm not just saying that. I'm like, wow, like you, you're making shit happen. And, and it's, it's great to hear. It's great to hear. Like there's so much value in that and just kind of making sure that every moment that you have, you're maximizing it and you're doing whatever you can to get over that hurdle. 
I try. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. I mean, not a lot of people can do that. That's why I wanted to highlight that. And a lot of people know they can't do that. A lot of people just, as soon as a little bit of adversity hits, you know, they become the victim and then they get scared and then they don't want to do anything. So I'm awesome. grateful for those people because if yeah. it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be able to shine. Right. So it's yeah. like, yeah. you got to figure out what's unique and different about you and rock that. And if totally. the people are going to you know, pull back and give up, I know I'm not going to. So that's going to be a, a difference maker for me. Awesome. Where can everybody find you and check you out? Where's the best place to connect with you? Yeah. So my website is heathermonahan.com. I have a free accountability partner program. You can sign up for a free ebook you can download. And I have a little Heather drift bot. So you can ask questions there and you can get responses back in real time, which is so cool. And then you can follow me on social media. I'm at Heather Monahan. I'm on LinkedIn all of the time. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, wherever social media is. I'm there. Yeah, awesome. It's uh, the social media game is uh, interesting. My Instagram got hacked and I lost my account, so it's like I had to like start from fresh. It's being worked on right no. now. No, yeah, what a so, nightmare. Yeah, it's and that's why I was actually going to bring up LinkedIn because I really want to go in hard on that now. <gasps> it's just like that. It, it, these things can be taken away at any moment, and it's like it's almost a lesson. Like, huh? You want to put all your eggs in one basket? Well, this is what we're going to show you, and you're going to have to figure it out. And that's kind of now, you know, I'm rebuilding, and it's like it's hard. It's a lot harder these days to, to build. So much harder. Instagram. You got no no engagement. It's like anyway. And I I saw you on LinkedIn, and I'm good friends with Shay Robottom, so I'm like trying to figure out a way to like get that. But um, yeah, you're you're doing great. Your social media presence is awesome, and we'll make sure to have all of that in the show notes for them to check you out. Um. I want to just ask one thing that I, I ask, I wrap up every interview with one staple question out of all the adversity, all the challenges you've faced, what is one lesson that adversity has taught you? Staying down is an option. You don't have you listen. I could have let getting fired crush me and I could have just gone back and not told anyone I got fired and taken a smaller job in another industry and belittled myself. Or you can rock it and own it and put it to work for you. So it, it, that choice is up to you. And I truly believe in any moment you are either creating confidence or chipping away at it. And when I look back, I'm so proud of myself that I took that leap of faith. I took a chance on me. And that innately built confidence in me, which propelled me forward even faster, right? So really just be deliberate and intentional and think about, do I want this to bury me? Do I want this to cut me back? Or do I want to put this to work for me and grow from it and get stronger from it? Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really, really appreciate it. Like, Thanks this was for awesome. having me. Yeah, it's great. And it's just such a great perspective and it's a bright light for everybody. And I know everyone's going to get value. So amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Heather Monahan, everybody. Thank you, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed recording it. Heather's a powerhouse. She's only get, just getting started that didn't inspire you. I don't know what will her book confidence creator. The links in the show notes, check out her podcast on Apple iTunes or podcast one creating confidence. It's a must and her Ted talk. So love you guys. I appreciate you leave us a review and make sure you hit that subscribe button to stay on top of all the episodes. Lots of good things coming up with university of adversity. Can't wait to share it with you guys. Have a beautiful day. We'll catch you next time.